Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bow continue their discussion on the Second Commandment. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me Pastor Jason Goodham. Good to see you again, Brett. Yes, you as well. This is fun. I enjoy doing this together and looking at God's Word, looking at what it is to be a Lutheran, and it's good to refresh ourselves in that. Yeah, and I never seem to, or I never cease to be amazed, I should say, at how consistent our confessions are with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I don't intend to say that arrogantly or, or haughtily, but, you know, if, if what we are confessing as Lutherans is the truth from Scripture, it should be actually the truth from Scripture, which is why I like doing these Bible study follow-ups to mm-hmm. the study on the actual content of the catechism. You know, right. I like ordering our faith with the catechism. I like rightly thinking about these, mm-hmm. you know, parts of our faith, you know, law, gospel, sanctification, sacraments. Uh, but I like seeing how it comes from Scripture, too. Mm-hmm. It's it's really exciting work for me yeah. to dive back into the Scriptures and say, yes, indeed, this is exactly what it's talking about right here. Mm-hmm. Our confessions push us to Scripture that pushes us to Christ. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's one of the things that Luther did so well in preaching, and I, I believe we've mentioned this once or twice, is if he was preaching through a passage— Part of his application would be, well, this passage belongs to this part of the catechism. You know, this is fourth commandment stuff, or this is second article of the creed, or this is fifth petition of the Lord's prayer, or, you know, this is, you know, pointing out the sacraments to us. Uh, I, I've i done that at times. Uh, there's this part of right in the middle of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Daniel 5 or 6. Uh, there's not a sacrament in sight there, but it points us to the truth of the sacraments. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's those kinds of things. Luther was really good at doing that in his biblical exegesis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what you and I, to a lesser extent, are trying to do now is to draw out of Scripture mm-hmm. the truth that we've been speaking from the confessions. Right. Yeah. So last episode, dealing with the the second commandment and now uh, looking at a Scripture passage that points to or fleshes it out, fleshes it out more for us. And uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Acts, in Acts 5, to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So, Jason, how does that story connect to the second commandment? Yeah, well, what we're looking to do is do a Bible study on each side of the coin, the prohibit Mm -hmm. and promote. And so what we're going to be looking at is that the second commandment prohibits blasphemy. That's Mm -hmm. our kind of our buzzword for all the negative breaking of the second commandment stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really think... Uh, Ananias and Sapphira connect us well to a lot of the principles of what's going on behind the instruction from the second commandment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that you said a lot in last episode that has really resonated with me too is the idea of being a truth teller and having that be one way that this is applied in our lives. And uh, in speaking the truth, we're aligning ourselves with God's word and his truth. And so um, Ananias and Sapphira, there's some 
chicanery going on. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of nonsense. And, uh, you know, we were talking off the air about, you know, what if the spirit was still manifesting himself mm-hmm. uh, powerfully uh, today as he was in the early church? We'd have a lot of Christians in trouble <laughs> with the things that we get away with now right. uh, as compared to with what wasn't tolerated in this early church as, as this foundation was being laid for the next couple thousand years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. Thankful that God is gracious with us to not Amen. strike us down. <laughs> but uh, let's read this story um, here in this text, Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11, I think is what yeah, we were looking we got at. Acts 5, uh, 1 through 11. One through, and we, we were saying before, too, that it seems like all the scripture passages are kind of in chunks of 11 or 12 verses. That's a nice digestible yeah. uh, amount of scripture. We got, we got 20 time. minutes of time here, yeah. so that seems like just about right. Good. All right. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's dig into this. And uh, here's Acts 5. I'll read it for us. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped, up, wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Here ends the reading. Yes. Amen. 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 This is, it's such an interesting passage. Again, we've said this every Bible study we've done so far. There are so many different things Mm -hmm coming together at once here. And it, it makes for, uh, you know, adding the, the filtered lens of the second commandment really makes for an interesting study. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what we have going on here is uh, the, maybe if we think of the general context here of this te- text as well, that many of the Christians were in the early church here were selling their property and basically giving it to the apostles, so that you know they were living voluntarily. I might add, um, kind of communally, I guess, in a sense of sharing property. Um, and so, Ananias and Sapphira were going to join in in that, and yet wanted to keep back a little bit for themselves. Yeah, the the real heart of the issue is not that they kept back part from themselves. Mm-hmm. It's that they told the church, right that the part that they were giving was the sum total they received for the sale of the property. If they had said to Peter, uh, we just sold this field, Uh, Mm -hmm. we're giving you guys part of it, we'd like to have some of this to live off of for ourselves, 
no offense. Mm-hmm. But we see, I, I think really what we can glean, uh, especially you have someone like Barnabas doing this just immediately, the couple of verses mm-hmm. before this, yep. uh, give a, a field, he owned a field, he sold it and laid the, all of the money at the apostles' feet, gave it to the church for the use in caring for the poor and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And, and we can assume this was celebrated. Mm-hmm. And, and so kind of, I, I think, one of the accusations we can make of Ananias and Sapphira mm-hmm. and see in ourselves is that of being glory seekers. Yeah. They want the credit without the cost. Yep. Yep. They want to have people say, wow, look at that great yeah. gift that Ananias and Sapphira gave. There's a good Christian. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see, you know, in myself and in, in, in Christians today, too, it's, you know, you, you kind of try to leverage that for a, a place of prominence or authority mm-hmm. or fame, like you said. And so this is is really the nature of the deception. We learn a lot about uh, how the early church was functioning mm-hmm. uh, and caring for one another. We kind of have uh, extreme hospitality going on in the early church. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it, it all distills down for us as far as the second commandment is concerned with simply being truth tellers. Mm-hmm. Right. And amazingly, Peter is able to, uh, as he's connected to the Holy Spirit, he's able to see right through their falsehood and their lying and betrayal here. Yeah, and so your, your first example of truth-telling is Peter mm-hmm. pointing out sin where sin uh, has happened. And yep. again, uh, it, it, it would be hard for us to, to, you know, just be standing up in church pointing fingers at others going, sinner, sinner. Uh, that's not what the principle is here, but it is calling sin, sin. He's mm-hmm. just like, well, really, guys? Come on now. He's like, no, you sinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supernaturally informed right. that this was the case, and he uh, told the truth about sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. That would be an awesome ability to have. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine talking to one of your church members or somebody in the community and... You know, pointing yeah. out hidden pointing sins. Pointing out hidden but sin, right. You, you think about how often we as sinners would abuse that. Again, we yeah, talked about a few episodes ago when we were talking about the nature of the law. One of the things we have to keep at the fore for us, even in the church, mm-hmm. is that the law is primarily given for self-examination. Mm-hmm. That's the whole Matthew 7. We're really good at seeing the speck in our brother's eye, but we're really good at ignoring the log in our mm-hmm. own eye. Now... The second commandment clarifies this for us. When we see sin, mm-hmm. when we observe sin, we're to call it sin mm-hmm. in the church and in the world. And, and the church would uh, do well to, to learn lessons about this. There mm-hmm. are implications for Nazi Germany mm-hmm. and the church in Germany going on here. Uh, we, as the church, should be leaders at calling out corporate sinful behavior in our own nation and mm-hmm. town. We should be fighting for the oppressed and, and, and we should mm-hmm. fighting against injustice. Uh, but we should be doing so uh, in a way that brings about repentance mm-hmm. and reconciliation. And again, uh, the first thing to do is rightly orienting ourselves to the commandment, rightly orienting mm-hmm. ourselves to God by leading a repentant lifestyle. Uh, that's the the logical application of our baptisms is to be daily repenting, mm-hmm. daily putting to death the sinful nature, daily letting God raise to new life, uh, the new creation, and, and, and living in that. Uh, but it seems like if we are obsessed about not being hypocrites, mm-hmm. 
the fault is that we don't call out sin for being sin, and we either tolerate it or ignore it. Mm-hmm. If we become obsessed about calling out sin, we become hypocrites because we ignore it in our own lives. And so, as always, moderation, balance, and mm-hmm. humility are required here. Mm-hmm. Right. And in that uh, moderation and, and balance, humility, um, Peter here points out that it's it's not the work of God, but somebody else that led to this sin yep. uh, in Ananias and Sapphira. And he, he points to Satan as being the one that has filled, as it says in verse 3, filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. God, Satan is the deceiver and the accuser. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is right there. Verse 3 is where we start to have the name of God. Mm-hmm. This is where we get into second commandment stuff. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he says, uh, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Why have you, uh, basically what he's saying is, why have you seared your conscience mm-hmm. in this way? Why have you allowed... Uh, this obvious sin to be tolerated in your life. And Mm -hmm. then he, you know, this is a great Trinitarian theology Mm -hmm. he has for us, the follow-up in verse 4, you have not lied to men but to God. Mm -hmm. And and so this is, you know, part of the blasphemy is claiming truth in God's name when it was a deception. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is a grievous error, a grievous mistake. And I think maybe the, the person that would just read this casually might say, oh, come on, you know, they, they didn't commit a terrible <laughs> That's sin. a little harsh, God. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. And it kind of reminds me from the Old Testament when, I can't remember the name, was it Uzziah that um, grabbed yeah. the, the... It was Uzzah. The, Uzzah that grabbed the Ark of the Covenant from falling over and yep. God struck him dead at that moment. And maybe it would scratch your, your head and say, what's going on there? But God yep. cares for his name and uh, he cares deeply for truth to be told. His name and truth. And we would do well here, first of all, to remember that the application of the law for us as Christians is to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Mm -hmm. That God's perfect, holy righteousness is the standard. Okay? That's the first application. The second application is we're not going to moralize this for God. Mm -hmm. God has chosen to put this in Scripture. It's obviously very important. Let's Mm -hmm. not try to justify it. Let's not try to gloss over it. Let's not critique God for it. Let's let it stand, which is why I think it's important that we get to the end of the passage where the application for the church really is. Mm -hmm. And that's great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, What does that mean for the church today? You have a brand new church, Mm -hmm. fully aware of the miracles, fully experiencing. Remember, Peter and John were healing people in Jesus' name in the temple. One chapter before this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just months away from the ascension of Christ, all of this uh, is the here and now, is the very near past And the church needed to be reoriented to the fear of God's name. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for the church 2,000 years later? Uh, We really need to be reoriented Mm -hmm. to the fear of God's name under the law. Uh, We are far too buddy-buddy with God. We Mm -hmm. have made God one of us. Now, God himself has made him one of us Mm -hmm. through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. But... 
we have diluted the law in mm-hmm. the church. Yep. This is the application for the church today. This is what I've been talking about, what you've been talking about, mm-hmm. what the confession's talking about, especially what scripture talks about. The nature of being truth tellers mm-hmm. is to realize that God is the source of truth and therefore does not tolerate falsehood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to wrap our minds around that, that he doesn't tolerate falsehood. And even to the point of, and we haven't touched on it a whole lot here, but the, that God struck them dead no. there. That was a consequence for them uh, not speaking the truth, uh, lying to the Holy Spirit. And and it was, and they were in league together, both Ananias yeah. and Sapphira. Well, it was a conspiracy then. It was this, mm-hmm. this, this transcends the momentary little white lie, which is bad enough, and we can go into that. This is deception. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not under pressure, not, you know, th- those sort of things. This is intentional deception, which puts this into the realm of Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, did God really say, mm-hmm. and then you will not actually die? Whoa. Mm-hmm. Now we have another death. Adam and Eve died, and Ananias and Sapphira died. All sinners die. You know, all of these applications come mm-hmm. flooding in when we start to discuss the nature of the law. And again, the principle for the church is proper application of the law in our lives is mm-hmm. going to kill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the law does, is it kills us in our sin. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen this very literally sure. with Ananias and Sapphira, but if the law loses its teeth, mm-hmm. the gospel isn't valuable. Sure. So, so what, would, what would that look like? You mentioned you know, the law kills us in, in our sin, and um, it seems like God doesn't typically do anymore what he did with Ananias and Sapphira and striking mm-hmm. them down physically, but what would it look like for you and I today if we committed a sin like this and and if God were to bring us to bring the law to bear into our lives in that situation. Let's kind of use an example from absurdity here just to illustrate Mm -hmm. the point again. We talked last episode a little bit about the OMG kind of stuff and how that's kind of the the first great gloss Mm -hmm. for what is the second commandment. What if we realized that doing that little passing thing makes us a blasphemer. Mm -hmm. I think most Christians would agree that blasphemy is something that's really serious. We wouldn't want to be identified as a blasphemer. Just like it's the first commandment, I don't want to be identified as an idolater. Mm -hmm. I'd be a sinner. Okay, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows I'm a sinner. I'm an idolater. That ramps up the intensity. Mm -hmm. I've I've said OMG. Everyone says OMG. People type it by reflex. I think it probably comes up on spell check on yeah, your phones right. now. Suggested but, word. Yeah, exactly. What if that makes you a blasphemer? That's, the, the law is designed to strike terror mm-hmm. into our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's what killing it means. It's to rob us mm-hmm. of peace, of false peace, with thinking, uh, I'm a good enough person. Sure. I'm all right with God. And when the law kills us, then you come with the healing salve of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died because you're an idolater, because mm-hmm. you're a blasphemer in your place. And he is the one who uh, filled the law for you, fulfilled mm-hmm. the law for you. And so he gives you his righteousness mm-hmm. where your righteousness has failed. Right. And what you just described is not just the initial becoming a Christian experience that God brings into our lives, but it is a ongoing work of God's spirit and his word in us. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an each and every day experience, and and this is where you know really fleshing out the Lutheran understanding of the law does a service to Christians, understanding that the law functions mm-hmm. as a mirror to reveal our sin, but the law also functions as a guide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so God has given us the boundary. There's the first function of the law: that blasphemy, that falsehood, false teaching, uh, witchcraft are all out of bounds. But He's also said in the third function of the law: I want you to to call on my name for salvation. I want you to call on my name when mm-hmm. you're having that crisis and, mm-hmm. and you need to pray. And so he's directing us to it. But again, then as Christians, as repenting Christians, I'm going to examine my life. My prayer life stinks. Mm-hmm. And then I need to repent and then I need to be forgiven again. I need to constantly, daily, repeatedly, continually have that gospel preached and proclaimed and applied to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen to that. And and that's the point of the story, too, in Scripture, that it, it calls us to repentance, it calls us to fear, um, to tremble before the Lord, and, and to say, to own up to our sin, and to say, I've not used your name correctly, God, and maybe I haven't told the truth, um, and God leads us to repentance. So, any, close, any other closing thoughts on this passage and the topic in general? Well, it's that self-examined, repentant lifestyle then that allows us to be truth-tellers in society. Mm -hmm. That is where we're flowing from when we call out sin, Mm -hmm. is I want you to know that you're a sinner because sin is harmful to your life. Again, literally harmful in Ananias Mm -hmm. and Sapphira's life, their lives were ended, but it's the acknowledgement that sin has consequences in our life. Tolerated sin carries us away from God. It causes us to sin more. Mm -hmm. And and Romans 1 teaches us that God punishes sin with more sin Mm -hmm. until we're unrepentant, hardened hearts, unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the nature of pointing out sin is not to be a jerk, not to be vindictive or spiteful about it, but it is out of, first of all, personal experience, mm-hmm. but also out of concern for the soul. We want you too to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Amen. I think that's a good place to end here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on Being Lutheran. Please check us out on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us for our next episode as Pastor Brett and Pastor Jason continue their discussion on the Second Commandment.